So without further ado then, two minutes of, of waiting, I'm going to hop right in to answering questions. So from the food and nutrition category of questions and information in general, um, the first one that I you know, have placed here because it got me thinking about the wider sort of macro theme of food and nutrition overall is the question, do you recommend plant-based diets? And I generally do. I think that, and I, you know, know that in general, more produce is better. And the more we can fill a plate or a bowl or a serving, you know, with fruits and vegetables, the better we're going to feel. Now, does somebody need to be totally vegan, um, strictly vegetarian all of the time in order for this to be beneficial? No, but more plants is better is the theme. So typically what I recommend is to aim for 75% of any given meal to be produce and produce means fruits and vegetables. And then we reserve a little bit of space for um, whatever else you might be having. So that could be protein that is plant-based or not plant-based. That could be grains and legumes. Um, you know, that could, that could be treats. Uh, but if we have already, you know, filled up 75% of our serving with fruits and vegetables, fruits or vegetables, then that, you know, does the job of limiting a protein intake to a reasonable amount, which is a smaller quantity, right? Um, and then also reduces grains and legumes from being a super high percentage of the meal. Um, and those, those are things that I also recommend. So we know that a super high protein diet is not ideal. And if you're interested in learning more about that specific topic, about the protein topic, then you can just look on my website, on our website for protein. And I had a very long conversation with Four Sigmatic. Uh, we talked for an hour about protein. They were launching their protein powders at the time. And we discussed how much you need, um, what kind you need, you know, when, all the different sort of variables of protein intake. And at that same time, kind of leading up to that conversation, I had created a whole article and guide on how much do we need you know, what types do we need? What is the role of amino acids? All of the sort of breakdown of protein in general um, for my own interest and because it was such a common question at the time. And I wanted to really understand, you know, as somebody who believes in a fairly low protein diet, which is not something that I made up, I follow the school of thought of some other people who believe that, um, what does the science say? And I, I linked all the studies and um, gave you a sort of breakdown of, you know, how large are you? What is your lifestyle? What, what does the science say? How much protein in grams per day based on your body weight? How much do you want to be having? So anyway, 
If you're surprised to hear me say, you know, low protein, then um, check that out and make your own decision. But generally, you know, I'm recommending a primarily plant-based diet that is, um, can be supplemented with protein and uh, grains and legumes at, you know, around 30% of any given meal. That of course fluctuates, but that's a nice general rule. The grains and legumes point um, is also interesting because I think a lot of people who are plant-based will eat a lot of, you know, rice and beans and, and that becomes a big part of the plate. And there's nothing wrong with grains and legumes. However, the short story is, you know, eaten in excess when not prepared well, and especially in the form of flours, which is very common, right? So we get um, all kinds of flour and it's gluten-free, but it's still a refined processed grain, typically. Sometimes it's nuts as well. Those just generally piss off digestion, inflammation causing, um, upset absorption, cause all sorts of indigestive issues, destabilize blood sugar. So if it's a flour, I would recommend treating it as a sugar. And if it's grains and legumes that you have soaked or sprouted or, you know, really um, prepared in, in a great way, then having those at a smaller quantity as opposed to 75% of the plate, right? Because that's already full of uh, produce, then you will probably feel amazing fairly quickly. And this is something that I do with uh, most of my clients and have been doing for many years. We do it in the four week health course as well. So if you're interested in doing like a four week journey with me, we start with nutrition in week one, we go into actually maybe gut health first, nutrition, herbs, and then lifestyle. And this kind of elimination diet or adjustment of the baseline, you know, is something that we do. So that's all to answer that question. Um, do I recommend a plant-based diet? So hopefully you can see the answer is yes and, yes and. Oh, and then one other note that I would make there is, you know, if you are having protein um, or you're having animal-based foods, if you're up for it, my favorite is really high-quality fish from a nutritional standpoint. Um, that can be one of the most beneficial ingredients that we have if we're not fully vegetarian or fully vegan. All right. So um, next question is related to food allergies. And the question is, you know, what, so what herbs can we use for full nutrition? And this person said, you know, I have severe food allergies. Um, herbs for nutrition, we would call those nourishing herbs. I have a bunch nearby. I wonder if I have any I can just like grab for you. I do have one. I'm going to grab one for you. So, oh, I thought this was red clover. This is raspberry leaf. So this is a raspberry leaf, um, which is not the most nourishing herb, but it's a good one. Uh, this one is also really good for menstrual cramps and uh, muscle cramps in general, but this is still is considered nourishing, high in, in vitamins and nutrients. Um, high in magnesium actually. So 
herbs for nutrition are, are cool because when we're using herbs, we are extracting a full spectrum of nutrients from them. And full spectrum of nutrients means we are getting, you know, the whole plant in a bioavailable, which means absorbable form. So you're not taking an isolated extract that you have to worry about whether or not it's absorbing. Um, you're taking something that is made in nature to work within itself and within your body in an ideal way. So one of the downsides of some of the supplements and vitamins that we take is that they are single isolated extracts that are concentrated to a great degree. And we kind of think, oh, more is more, right? But if we can get the full spectrum, then usually almost always it's working better for us. And that's why you see people recommend um, turmeric with curcumin or black pepper with curcumin to improve the um, absorbability or the bioavailability of it or have these sort of pairings. Because when you separate the curcumin from the turmeric, then you lose that full spectrum, the sort of container that allowed it to deliver its nutrition to you in a better way. So in terms of herbs for you know, nutrition, we call those nourishing herbs. And those are things that are high in vitamins and minerals. And examples of those would be nettle leaf, one of my absolute favorites that I know I have over here, but I won't go digging for it. Um, red clover, which is the flower of the red clover. Alfalfa, you could use raspberry leaf. Uh, oat is very nourishing. And there are many others. So those are some examples. And so then what you would do with those is make a tea. It's the best way to use nourishing herbs is make a tea uh, because then you're going to, again, extract that full spectrum of all the benefits, and then you can drink that tea every day. So in order to make a tea, you would use a jar like this, right, or a pitcher. You guys all know my big, beautiful glass pitchers. I'll bring more props to the next one. So you would take a, you know, a mason jar, for example, and fill up, you know, the whole bottom with the herbs. Like fill up, maybe that's going to be like, half of a cup of dried herbs, maybe, you know, just give yourself a good, good bit on the bottom, like that much. And then um, pour tea hot water in, you know, fill up the whole thing, right? And then let it steep overnight. Water break. Let it steep overnight or for like six hours. You want to give it multiple hours to let everything extract. So this is not a five to seven minute steep this is not a, you know, quick little cup of tea. You want it to fully pull out. And nettle alone, for example, will turn that water super dark, dark, green, almost black. It's really beautiful. And then you strain the herbs and you have, you know, a quart of multivitamin, basically plant-based multivitamin that you can drink all day long. Put in some things that taste really good and you have functional water otherwise known as tea. So that's a way to work with herbs for nutrition um, or nourishing herbs as they're called. Now, the other point, part of this question was, I have severe food allergies. 
Um, all of those herbs would be great, you know, aside from the, like they're, they're, they're unrelated to food allergies, right? Um, but if there are lots and lots of food allergies, right? You're somebody who's allergic to many, many, many things, then it may be an issue with gut permeability um, or something called zonulin or the kind of integrity of the microbiome overall. So it's not that you're actually allergic to 30 things. It's that your gut is compromised and therefore the tight gap junctions are open or things are getting through. And when they get through, the first thing they hit is the immune system. And then what happens, the immune system becomes activated and triggers an allergic response. So that is why, you know, gut health equals immune health. And there's also the nervous system, which is part of that whole process as well. Um, so if you have lots and lots of food allergies, then the first thing you would want to look at is gut health, making sure your gut is in great condition. And then the other thing that's very helpful for food allergies is treating the immune system. And when we're treating the immune system, um, we want to work with herbs that are normalizing or an herbalism term for, for immune support that is kind of balanced is uh, an immune amphoteric, or you'll hear immune modulators or immune regulators, right? So these are herbs that are helping the immune system to be not too active, but active enough. It's not boosting it. You're not like, you know, you're not sick and trying to fight something off and wanting a, an immune boosting herb. Um, you're using something that is normalizing and stabilizing, just like adaptogens work for our stress response. They're just like normalizing and stabilizing. These herbs are really good for um, the immune system, the amphoterics, the modulators or the regulators, all kind of equivalent terms. And a best example of those is functional mushrooms. And I have this very good blend. Everything's just like right out of reach. Oh, can you see my glucose monitor? Isn't this fun? So I'm, I'm doing a test with this thing. It measures my um, blood glucose over time. So when I do that, that's what that is. Um, functional mushrooms. And functional mushrooms, you can take in any form you want. So you can take them in a tincture form, right? Which is just a liquid extract. You can take them in a powder form. You can brew them as tea is less common. They don't taste as good and you want them to be um, concentrated. You can eat them in gummy form. We have a bunch of functional mushrooms in our everyday endurance gummies. Um, you can use them in, uh, in capsules, whatever you want. Just get them from a good source because functional mushrooms require um, a specific extraction process. I'm just writing down that we're talking about functional mushrooms. Um, they they need to be extracted in a specific way. So a lot of times there's a water extraction and an alcohol-based extraction, or at least like a double water extraction. Basically, we can't break down um, the chitin that mushrooms sort of cell walls are, so they need to be extracted. Uh, if you buy from a good brand, they'll be extracted and you'll be all the better for it and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but if you have severe food allergies or any kind of allergies, seasonal, dander, dust, pet, whatever, um, consider functional mushrooms. Functional mushrooms are a supplement that I recommend as a, as a sort of staple 
to almost everyone. There's not really an instance in which somebody shouldn't have them. Um, it's just a matter of how many things do you want to be taking at any given time. So other things that I recommend as staples are probiotics, um, awesome food, obviously, uh, digestive bitters, really helpful for digestion, absorption. Um, they improve, you know, everything that you're taking at any given time. Uh, what else? What else? Vitamin D, if you know that you're low, which most people are. Magnesium. Um, what else? We'll, we'll, we'll see. There, you know, not everybody needs adaptogens. Not everybody needs nervines. But anyway, functional mushrooms are one of the one of the pillars I recommend to most people. And you know, another herb that can be helpful for immune system stabilization and allergies is astragalus. That's really nice. I'm trying to think if there's anything else immediately. Well, we can leave it at that. But again, if you have allergies of any kind, um, make sure your gut is in great shape and then consider your immune system health thereafter. Okay. So next question is, does food... Oh, and again, for those of you who are live, feel free to chat questions if you want. I will, um, I will I'll slow my roll and answer your questions first. You don't have to wait for me to like finish anything before you send in questions. Um, so the next question is, does cooking reduce the nutritional value of herbs? And that answer is mostly no, mostly no. In some cases, yes, though. So many herbs, like mushrooms, for example, need to be cooked to be extracted. And the, the heat or the time is sort of part of that process, mostly the time. It's a low heat. Um, herbs that are extracted in alcohol, so they're in a tincture form like this, uh, tend to be pretty stable. So a lot of times people will ask me, well, I have a tincture. Can I put it in my hot tea or will that ruin it? It's completely fine. Your tea is not hot enough to um, destabilize something like this. Uh, tea is, is not hot enough to destabilize many things, to be honest. Um, now, if you're putting an ingredient, like an herbal ingredient, into hot water and then boiling it for a long period of time, that will evaporate some things and um, sort of denature some things sort of depends on what you're after you know uh, we'll lose a lot of like volatile oils or things that evaporate and you can smell them you know like essential oils are, are um, an example of that and you know then i think of like putting powders in food and cooking with it um, generally that is completely fine and a lot of times the herbs or the supplements will say this is safe to cook with, you know, or feel free to use our powder in a, in a recipe. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to be upset by that. Right. So let's see here. Um, and look, I would say if you are cooking with herbs or you're curious about cooking with herbs, do it <laughs> because more herbs are more herbs in your life, and that's generally a great thing. Uh, let's see, let's see. 
All right, we have a question that came in. Um, can you please talk about the herbs that you offer in your shop to regulate your blood sugar and how they work? Do you recommend changing the probiotics you take every month or do you stick to the same ones? And can you talk about what you put in your travel salad? All right, Liz, you get answers to all of those. Those are fun. Um, let's see here. So Liz's first question is, can you please talk about the herbs that you offer in your shop to regulate your blood sugar and how they work? Yes. You know, I wish I had one to like show to you at this moment because um, I, or the reason I don't is because I just um, bought some more for myself from the shop. So let me pull them up in our shop. So um, the herbs, the supplement that Liz is referring to is called, is by a company called Sugar Break. And we carry two of them. Oh, I have one of theirs actually here, which is very fun. So this is a breath strip that Sugar Break makes. Um, it's kind of a, like a seaweed base, um, but it, there you go. Wait, did I say that wrong? Is it a seaweed base? I think it is. I mean, it's just green, it looks green. Um, it contains uh, herbs that block the taste of sugar uh, and help curb sugar cravings and then give you minty, minty breath. So um, one of their ingredients is a very cool ingredient called uh, gymnema, which helps to block sugar receptors on our tongue. So once I use this, things won't taste as sweet. It does the same for bitterness. Um, and then it helps to stabilize our blood sugar over time. So the sugar break supplements, we've got two. So we have one that's called, um, it's a carb blocker and one is a uh, blood sugar support. And I'll talk about the blood sugar support primarily because this is the one that I love and it's a little bit more holistic. Um, maybe I'll talk about both. So if you look at this, and actually, let me see if I can just chat this to you guys on YouTube so that you can see sugar break um, supplement here. All right. Um, so the ingredients on this are gymnema, the herb that I just mentioned, um, which is a very cool herb. I actually just wrote a big article on it for a, a magazine. It'll be out soon. Um, gymnema, again, blocks sugar receptors on your tongue, blocks sugar receptors in other parts of the body. The effects last for about 90 minutes. It helps to minimize um, sugar cravings and the effects of sugar on the body. So it's stabilizing your blood sugar. And that's actually what you know I'm measuring with this thing as well. So what is my blood sugar doing in response to different foods, different drink, different exercise, different sleep, um, over time. So gymnema does that. Fenugreek is another herb, great, great herb in this supplement. Fenugreek is the second ingredient. Fenugreek is used um, in a lot of different ways, but number one, it's bitter. Bitters are all great for blood sugar. It's another benefit of using a digestive bitter. It helps stabilize your blood sugar. Take it before meals, gets your gastrointestinal you know, juices going. Um, and then it also stabilizes your blood sugar so that when you eat your meal, your blood sugar goes like this, as opposed to when you eat your meal, your blood sugar goes like this. What we don't want is for blood sugar to spike and then drop below where it was before. This whole goal was like, you know, I'm stable. I feel good. 
Um, my body is not overproducing insulin. I'm not becoming insulin resistant, which leads to metabolic syndrome and diabetes. Um, I'm eating foods that keep my blood sugar going like this throughout the day, right? But if we eat something like processed sugar or flour or low fiber foods, then we go like this and then our body produces insulin. We go like this throughout the day and our energy goes like this and our mood goes like this and our cravings go like this. So again, anything that we can do to stabilize blood sugar. I mean, if you've been following me for any amount of time, I talk about this all the time because it's so important for metabolism, body composition, energy, mood, cravings, and how we feel overall. For example, if my blood sugar starts going like this, I'll get a massive headache. It's like instant trigger. Um, so many things can be affected by blood sugar instability. Focus, if you get brain foggy in the afternoon after you eat your lunch. So anyway, gymnema, fenugreek are both helping to stabilize your blood sugar. Um, green tea, camellia sinensis, um, EGCG in this supplement is an, another one of those, and banaba leaf. Um, in their carb blocker, it's, it's similar. So what's happening is you're taking um, the carb blocker before carb heavy meals. And it's basically like front loading. You're getting, you know, this sort of buffer so that when you eat that uh, high carb meal, and I'll chat this too, hopefully the links come through um, on the recording as well. We'll have to see. Um, but anyway, they're there. So both of these supplements, um, you know what I'll do actually is I will link these supplements in the email when, or in the post when I deliver this video to you guys. So all those ingredients are super cool. They all help to stabilize blood sugar, primarily um, block sugar receptors, um, buffer sugar cravings, and I love them. So I will use the, um, the sugar break reduce, the blood sugar support, once a day every day in the afternoon uh, or like in the midday right after I take my lunch, because um, you do not want EGCG on an empty stomach. Do not want to do that. <laughs> and then the stabilize, um, I use less often just because I don't tend to like dive into super high carb meals um, that aren't stable. Um, but you can use that one if you're going to like go to a pizza party or something like that. Now, what does it mean to not dive into a carb heavy meal? Because I tend to promote a high carb, low fat diet. Those are my macros. Um, I'm sure that will raise some questions. And Liz, I'll answer the rest of your questions right after I go on this tangent. Um, to make a high carb meal stable, you want them to be slow carbs. So things like fruits primarily or starches like squashes, sweet potatoes, yams, plantain, cassava, you got all that stuff. I love that stuff. Those are all very slow digesting. Um, berries that have skins and seeds are really slow digesting. Um, you can pair those things with fiber. So in my morning smoothie bowl, um, or smoothie or whatever form of smoothie I'm having, there's always a ton of fiber, chia seeds or flax seeds, acacia, psyllium. Um, oh, Liz, also, I see your, I see your question over in the chat now. It looks like it's working. By the way, everybody, if you are having trouble leaving, um, comments in the chat, Make sure you are a subscriber on YouTube, I think is one of the parameters they require, just like follow or subscribe, and that'll let you in. So adding fiber, um, avoiding processed things, uh, you, having a little protein as well can be helpful. 
and then looking for slow carbs are ways to eat carbohydrates and have your blood sugar go like this, as opposed to peaking and crashing. Um, and if it weren't our first time, I would show you what my graph looks like from my sort of blood sugar monitor, but we've got enough windows going right now. I'm not going to introduce another at the moment. So let me hop back over here to Liz's question, uh, follow up, which was, do you recommend changing your probiotics every month? Um, do you stick to the same ones that you recommended yesterday? So yesterday on Instagram, um, I posted a video about um, my new supplements that I just got. And one of those supplements was Metagenics Probiotics, which I love. And um, Liz wants to know if you should, you should vary those. So it's a great idea to switch up your probiotics if you can, if you want to. Um, the overall goal with probiotics is to consume a wide variety of uh, really potent, you know, or, or, or high quality um, probiotics. So you want quality and quantity, basically. And um, I don't change mine out every month, but I will change them out like maybe seasonally or something like that. Uh, what I do to get my variety is just eat fermented food and eat it in all the different places. Eat it in restaurants, eat it when you travel, eat it, you know, wherever you are in the world, um, because our body will keep those, will keep beneficial strains of bacteria around for a very long time too, as long as they're beneficial. And they'll keep some non-beneficial bacteria around as well, but we want to keep the good guys. Um, so I always recommend that people eat for probiotic variety as well as supplement, unless you're like a fermentation pro and you're doing lots of that, but I don't know many people who are. Uh, now that said, if you're like, that's a lot, that's complicated, I can't really deal with that, then is it okay to just take one probiotic long-term? Yes. Uh, and then the last question, Liz asked, can you talk about what you put in your travel salad? Yes. Yes, I can. Um, I'm actually going to send you a link to my travel salad recipe here. I'll put it in the, um, chat and I will also put it in the follow-ups for this video. And, um, basically, so this is one recipe, which, you know, there are many ver versions of it. Um, here we go. Give me one second. I'm going to chat this over and I'll put it in the follow-up notes. Um, so when you're making a travel salad, you want to start with a base that is very hearty because if your base is like beautiful baby spinach, it's going to be water by the time you want to eat it probably. Um, so I use kale, I use broccoli, I use cauliflower, I use really hearty, sturdy, generally cruciferous things. Um, slaws like cabbage slaw. I love a broccoli, like carrot shredded thing, but you want it to be hearty. And if you're like, yeah, but I don't want to eat like, you know, raw kale, that's totally fine. Just massage it or marinate it or do whatever you need to do to like soften it. But still those things will stay, um, very sturdy, you know, long, long-term meaning the day that you're going to eat your salad because you're only going to need to make it last a day. <laughs> um, and then 
it's nice to have a variety of textures. So I'll do like a kale base or this last time I traveled, I did, I used frozen um, broccoli, cauliflower and peas that obviously like sauteed and heated up and made like crunchy and nice, but those were super sturdy. That was my base. And then it's really nice to have like uh, squash or yams or something soft to kind of sweet and um, starchy and you know it's a it's a it's a good texture flavor combination with your your heartier greens um, so I always do some kind of you know sweet potato yam plantain squash something like that um, that can be roasted that can be steamed and then you can be as creative as you want so you could put in a ton of chopped up raw vegetables you could chop up fruit if you want you could do nuts and seeds anything um, if you like avocado or if you're having meat, you could put in, you know, fish or chicken, um, seafood, like whatever you want. Um, now, here's here's a couple notes. One, I am the person who will open a Tupperware on the airplane. I'm very sorry. And it will smell like broccoli. <laughs> if you care about that kind of thing, aim for vegetables that don't smell a certain way. But I have to smell all the other people's foods that are not the type of food that I eat. So I don't actually have any problem with my vegetable smell. The other thing you can do is if you don't want to like open it for the first time on the airplane, is just open it before you get on the airplane and like let it, you know, air out a little bit. And then when you're on the airplane, it won't be quite as strong a scent. But it takes a little bit of like not not caring, not not giving a whatever about your your neighbors if you are working with like seafood or cruciferous vegetables right um otherwise you know you can stick to things that don't have a strong aroma the other point is you know know how long you're going to be traveling and consider what you put in there so like if you're having seafood you want to be eating it within a few hours right um if you're like i'm not going to get to eat this salad for 12 hours don't put seafood in it <laughs> um and then tsa cares about liquids so if you dress your salad, then you need to make sure that there's no liquid in the bottom of the Tupperware. So drain it out or make sure it's like a thick sauce. So I'll use a lot of like sauces as a, as a marinade or a, um, a dressing instead. It's not a big concern, you know, and again, before you get to security, just make sure you can look in your Tupperware and like if there's a bunch of water sloshing around from a dressing, you know, dump it out. Otherwise, TSA doesn't care what food food you bring through. Um, you can't bring through, obviously, like smoothies or yogurt or like, you know, um, dips or like pastes, I guess. I don't know how to describe like a yogurt, you know, uh, consistency. But if it's just food, food, you're fine. <clears throat> if it's something that's like sort of a liquid, like a chia seed pudding or something like that, that's not going to fly. But salads can be all sorts of things. Um, and that's what I do. I make a big hearty salad. I cram as much in there as I possibly can. I go for crunchy, soft, savory, sweet. I'll chop up dates. I'll put in fruit, you know, whatever it is. Usually my travel salad lasts me for two meals because I can't eat all of it in one sitting. And I take it in my carry-on and I eat like a queen. And it's great. And sometimes my neighbor gives me a dirty look but guess what? It's worth it. So um, hopefully that answers your question, Liz, about the travel salad. Um, I really appreciate 
you asking? And then let's see, we have a follow-up question on the blood sugar um, supplements. So if you're having blood sugar problems, could you take both reduce and stabilize supplements or stick to one? You could absolutely take both. So what I would do is I would take the, the reduce as a daily, take it after food, because again, that green tea EGCG will make you feel very queasy otherwise, um, once a day, right? And then the stabilize is the carb blocker, and you could use that before carb-heavy meals. And the other thing I would say is if you're having blood sugar problems, look at those meals and aim to reduce the glycemic load of those meals because that's the cause, right? Or that's one of the causes. So using those herbs is going to help. But if the meal is really the issue, then we need to we need to work there. So maybe I don't know, Liz, if you've taken my four week course, but that could be something to consider too, because I talk about you know a lot of food and stuff there, um, or you know lots of resources on my site that are just totally free. And you know the other the other the other class, if you're interested in classes on this subject, the other one that could be really good is the metabolism class. Um, because I talk so much about herbs that help to stabilize blood sugar, support metabolic health. And metabolic health is, you know, a direct like precursor to diabetic health in a lot of cases, right? So you have metabolic syndrome and PCOS is a precursor often to um, diabetes. So the metabolic, my metabolism class is another um, support option. And I will just write that down too, so I can send that to everybody in the follow-up notes, metabolism class, four-week course. And remember herbal bitters as well. Herbal bitters, um, we sell those in the shop as well. So those super, super good for stabilizing blood sugar. You can use them before meals. So just pretend these are bitters. These are almost bitters. They've got some green tea in them. These are a little bit more of a brain booster. Just like in your mouth or in your water. 10 minutes before you eat, it's going to stabilize your blood sugar. You know what else works as an herbal bitter? It's these guys, which is why I made them, our herbal gummies, our digestionist herbal gummies. It's the point of these. They help with digestion. Uh, absorption and they taste really good okay every time I open these I eat like four so let me not do that next question I'm gonna I'm gonna send this link over to the group here and find two or three herbal bitters options in our online store there just search for bitters okay Dana says, how often do you recommend switching up a supplement routine? Other than the staples you mentioned, how do you determine which herbs to take and how long to take them? Oh, million dollar questions. The second one, second one's a million dollar question. All right, so how often do you recommend switching up your herbal or supplement routine? The answer to that, is it depends just kidding it does depend but i feel like that's the answer to so many of these questions um what is you know ask yourself what is your supplement routine doing so did you hit burnout 
and you talk to an herbalist and they give you a bunch of herbs and you're taking those to get yourself back into a good place, then the point at which you would vary your supplement routine is when you're in a better place and you feel like maybe I don't need these, maybe I do, I don't know, I'm going to test it out, right? So you might vary your supplement routine if you have achieved some goal or you think you've achieved some goal that you set when you started your supplement routine. If you are using supplements that are just like, I'm taking a multi, I'm taking my mushrooms, taking D, magnesium, I'm taking probiotics, should I change those? Well, the answer to that is, how do you feel? If you feel great, probably not. Uh, sort of like saying, should I stop eating vegetables? Mm, probably not. But should you eat different vegetables? Maybe, you know, maybe. Um, the point of a multivitamin is to sort of be that every vegetable, right? But uh, I'm not, not a huge fan of multis. That'll be a topic for another day. Um, I vary my supplement routine intuitively. So, well, intuitively or logically. So at some point, like, you know, what is it? Oh, I'm getting a lot of headaches. Why? You know, and I look at my supplements and I'm like, oh, there's a ton of ginkgo and a ton of taurine, you know, which is something that people who have a lot of migraines shouldn't have. So I'm like, well, I'm going to take all those supplements out. Or you learn something new, you know? So I've been, I've been um, deep in the rabbit hole of something called cortisol steel, which is where your body steals sex hormones and turns them into cortisol to give you energy but then you don't have the sex hormones that you need, usually estrogen. Um, oops, sorry, other way around. <laughs> Your body steals cortisol and turns it into, no, it's that, it's the original way, sorry. <laughs> so I get for like winging it. Um, you know, and so, and so if your body needs more cortisol, for example, then you would, you know, I'm like, okay, well then you would supplement with licorice or ashwagandha to lower cortisol or cordyceps to help support your energy expenditure, you know, all kind of depending on where you are with your different levels. Um, so, you know, did you learn something new? Do you intuit that it's time to change? Has the season changed? You know, so a lot of times I will use ashwagandha through all the busy seasons. And then in the summer, if I'm less busy, I might not use it. Just take a break. Um, but then I use it, you know, September through, I don't know, um, June again, you know, so I took two months off. Uh, so with supplements, you know, you don't have to switch it up per se, but just like your diet, it's a good idea to keep a constant kind of eye on Am I taking the best things for me now? You know, you're going to change. Your life is going to change. Life circumstances are going to change. So do you need different things? Um, there's also something great about just testing and learning. So periodically, I'll just stop taking a supplement and see what happens. And then I might realize I don't like it anymore. I don't want it. I don't need it. Or I miss it and I want it back, you know? So there are lots of different cases for when you might change supplement routine just kind of keep tabs on yourself, your environment, your needs, your progress, how you're feeling, what's working, what's not working, your budget, new information that you learn, all of that. Uh, da, 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 let's see. And thank you for that question. Oh, so then the second one, <laughs> the million dollar question. 
Um, other than the staples, how do you determine which herbs to take and how long to take them? So what I usually recommend for that is this sort of where to start, right? And um, ask yourself, what do you want to work on? What do you need to work on? Are you struggling with anything? Are you curious about something? Are you, you know, desperately in need of something? Like start from your sort of need or want place and then identify what body system is that? Is that your nervous system? Is it your circulatory system? Is it your brain? Is it your gut? Is it your muscular skeletal system? You know, all of the musculoskeletal system, it, all of those different, you know, systems. What is the system? And then, you know, again, assuming you're doing this without an herbalist, because if you're working with an herbalist or a functional medicine practitioner, then they can just tell you what you need. Um, then you would say, okay, what is the category of herbs or what, what, you know, what group of herbs works on that system? So if you're like, oh, it's my nervous system, then you would go to nervine herbs. And now you've just reduced the world of 30,000 medicinal plants to like 20 that are nervines. And you can work with those and you can buy a blend that's got like seven of them in it, right? You've got a nervine blend. And that's a very good place to start, right? So you're taking a Nervine blend and you have all these and maybe you love it. You're like, oh, cool. So I want to try one of these ingredients on its own. Or you're like, oh, I, I got my nervous system feels good now. I want to focus on my brain, you know? And so you would go to nootropics. Um, so again, ask yourself what your need or want is. This is very, 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 very important. Consider the cause of your symptoms, not the symptoms. So your symptoms might tell you where to start in your inquiry. You know, I have a headache or I have anxiety or I have muscle pain or I have insomnia. Try to get to the cause and then use the cause to lead you to the system that you're then going to treat. So if you're just treating the symptom, then it's band-aids, 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 and it's not helpful. If the cause is not something that herbs treat, like it's nutrition related, or it's about exercise or stress or, you know, lifestyle stuff, work on that instead of taking a nerve, because that is more important, right? So always trying to work at the cause level, always trying to work at the foundational level. If you know that it's, you know, related to lack of exercise, just find a way to, you know, work on that instead of taking an herb, unless you're like, well, I need more energy. And then the, the herb might be able to energize you to get more exercise. But again, just sort of work at that base level if you, if you possibly can. Um, and then how long to take the herbs is the same answer as, as the supplements. Um, take them as long as they are working for you. And that could be the rest of your life. Herbs are plants, vegetables are plants. These are all functional, natural foods and drinks and, um, you know, consumables. There's not a reason to stop taking, you know, a certain herb unless it is so strong that it's more of a medicine and you need to, you know, you need to be careful with it, in which case you would know, hopefully. Um, or you'd be told or the, the bottle would say so. Otherwise, 
using herbs is just like using food and many herbs are food and many food uh, ingredients are herbs. I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more. That's a very good set of questions. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Liz. Caroline says, hi, any suggestions for how to recalibrate after a bout of parasites, amoebas specifically while traveling and subsequent antibiotic and acetaminophen use, gut health, obviously, but also liver support. Yeah. Um, and then one more quick question that I'm going to answer because it'll take me two seconds. Um, Liz, the metagenic probiotics, um, you can just get from metagenics specifically um, through the link in my Instagram bio. Let me know if you need that link. Otherwise, uh, we don't have a plan to put them back in the shop right now, but they're always available from metagenics. And if anybody hasn't shopped from metagenics, if you do so through me, you do get 20% off your first order. By the way, um, just saying. Okay, Caroline. So this is great. So this will probably be our last question because it's a, a couple and it's a big one. Um, how, and this is great because actually we spent today focused primarily on gut health. So nutrition and gut health, which is nice. Um, so how to recalibrate after a, you know, taking antibiotics, taking acetaminophen, taking any kind of, you know, over-the-counter medication um, heavily because you were sick, you had COVID, you had parasites, any of these things. Um, super important. And I'm really glad that you're asking about that because a lot of people come to see me because something happened in the past. They took a bunch of antibiotics, that thing went away. And then all these other strange things happened, happened, something else happened. You know, and it all started with this, like, yeah, I was on, med I was on antibiotics for like a month or you know, 10 days and then 10 days again. And like, I, you know, I didn't do a gut healing protocol afterward. Super, 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 super important to keep our gut in the best shape possible because it's such a central system, literally connected to our brain, connected to our nervous system, obviously connected to our whole digestive tract, including the urinary tract, connected to our immune system. So major, so major. So after you're on antibiotics or even a bunch of like Tylenol. So I took a bunch of Tylenol when I had COVID because I had a, you know, terrible fever. Um, and afterward I was like straight to the gut healing protocol, you know? Um, and you're like, well, it's just Tylenol. It's just Advil. It makes a difference. It definitely affects your gut, um, health. So take probiotics, eat probiotic foods. And Caroline, for you, I would recommend the metagenics acute care acute care which is um stronger and meant to help heal a gut that's compromised so get it acute care use it for you know use it up and then switch to something that's more like a lifestyle probiotic eat probiotic foods in all the different ways that you can you know low sugar kombucha fermented yogurts kefir whatever you're into just make sure that it's you know not a bunch of sugar and it's actually fermented kimchi, sauerkraut, miso. Um, eat at least 30 grams of fiber every day, ideally from vegetables and starchy vegetables, starchy, you know, carby things um, that are, that are, you know, slow and starchy or, and, or um, supplement with acacia fiber or psyllium husk, which is a really good um, combination of fibers that are prebiotic. I think in our shop, we have one called, um, 
Metafiber, prebiotic. We can search it in the shop. Prebiotic. See if it's in there. Uh, unless it's sold out, but yeah, you see prebiotic fiber, healthy gut. Oh, we got two. We have heal, uh, sea moss as well. That's the very cool one. Um, so those are great for gut health. Also, you see some of our herbal coffees come up when you search prebiotic in the shop because herbal coffees are made with dandelion root, chicory root, burdock root, ashwander root, mushrooms. All of those things are prebiotics as well. Um, so you got probiotics, you got prebiotics, you're taking them and you're eating for them. And then, um, if you're at an acute, you know, kind of stage of healing, it could be a good idea to include something like uh, glutamine. So Metagenics makes a supplement called, um, Glutagenics, which I recommend to basically everybody after antibiotics. It's glutamine, aloe, and deglycerized licorice. So you get the licorice benefits without the, like, cortisol action. Um, you know, do a course of that to help heal your gut and then you can stop taking it. You don't need to take it long-term. You're just going to continue your fiber and your probiotics. You want to eat the best diet you possibly can. So triple down on really good food and avoid all of the flour, processed food, processed sugar, um, to your note about liver support. Um, Herbal coffee alternatives tend to be very good liver supports as well because they are, again, dandelion, burdock. Um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Milk thistle. You don't always see that in herbal coffee, but those are really good ingredients for your liver health as well. So you're getting double duty there. When you eat a super clean diet, your liver doesn't have to do as much work. So you're giving your liver support just by eating well. Filter your water. Drink lots of water. Half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Use digestive bitters if you're having digestive discomfort. You don't have to use them for um, gut healing. Uh, they're not necessarily healing, but they help with digestion, absorption, and like enzymatic action in the gut. So if you're like, you know, if you feel like you're struggling with digestion, absorption, you're having gas, bloating, any of those things, then definitely include bitters. Bitters are phenomenal for the liver, though. So if you want to include those there, you can do that. Um, milk thistle is is the one that is healing for the liver. Otherwise, you know, dandelion, burdock, and some of those are just support its function. So if you feel like you might've done a little liver damage, then use some silymarin, um, which is the milk thistle extract. Otherwise um, you can use, you can use like an herbal coffee or just some dandelion chicory, you know, functional mushrooms, that kind of thing. Um, cleaning out the digestion with really good fiber and really good water and, and really good food is also supportive of the liver because the liver is, you know, pushing things, clean, sort of cleaning your blood, right? Cleaning your system and pushing it into the digestive tract to be eliminated. Um, and if you're backed up there, then that is going to be reabsorbed and your liver is going to have to do it again. So if you're working on digestive health, you're actually automatically supporting liver health and hormone balance because your liver is filtering hormones out of the blood. So there's that. We'll talk about hormones next time. Sex, stress, and sleep hormones next time. Um, and that should be enough, Liz. I'm sorry, Caroline, not Liz. Um, do it for, you know, at least four weeks. Guts take, they take a while to come back. You know, so be diligent. At least four weeks, 
sometimes many months, depending on how you're feeling. But it's really good that you're um, being proactive about this. We have two minutes left. Anybody else have any other questions? And while I, while I wait for that, I'll just mention again, everybody who's watching this as a recording, um, the links that I've referenced, you know, in the chat and that I've been sending to the group here, I will include in the post below this note or below this video so that you can access what we're talking about. This is so fun. It seems like it's working well for everybody. I love it. I really, you know, let me just say this. I really appreciate your being here and um, doing this with me. Obviously, I've been doing, you know, Ask the Herbalist on Instagram for a while, uh, but it's it's important to be able to create a community in a place that is a little bit more contained and that is um, valuing my time differently. You know, I want to do this for you, but it's obviously hard for me to do everything for free. So it really does mean a lot that you're invested in this um, on your own behalf, you know, and then also on behalf of, of a way of thanking me for my time, which I appreciate. I really enjoy doing this and um, I would love for it to last a really long time and for it to help a lot of you in any way that you need. So just want to say thank you again. Um, so I'll answer this last question. Dana, Dana says, would this be a good protocol post uh, ulcerative colitis flare up? And yeah, actually it would. You know, Dana, um, let's talk about that in, more in the future too, because there are some specific herbs that can be helpful for ulcerative colitis, but for everybody, for you, Dana, and for everybody else, um, what I just listed as this sort of protocol for, uh, you know, in, in Caroline's case for recovering from antibiotic use and, and parasites, this protocol is a, it's a gut healing protocol. You can use any point, any time. You know, if you feel like you want it preventatively, you need it, uh, you just want to double down, or you're recovering from something, it it is it applies to everyone. So, I hope it I hope it serves you well. Uh, we're going to wrap up for today. Thank you again for being here. Thank you to everybody who's here live. Glad it worked. It's a lot of tech involved in this, but it seems to have worked out well. And um, thank you so much for everyone who's watching the recording. Share the word about this. Don't share the recording. I don't know if you can, but, you know, let's, let's grow this community. Um, if you like this, tell your friends, and we can just continue to have more and more of an experience here. Uh, and I will see you again next week. Thanks so much.